Alicia Raghavan is Chief Design Officer at Pensar Design. I spoke to her about how people's expectations and perception of design thinking in India has changed over the last 10 to 15 years. We spoke about how Pensar Design applied design thinking to their own approach to transformation programs. It's interesting how important education and alignment of stakeholders is. Realizing its importance is probably the rite of passage for consulting companies. We also spoke about the role of empathy and teaching in an organization. If you're curious about design thinking and how you can adopt its principles to thinking about different aspects of running a company, you'll find this chat quite interesting. This is the CTQ Smartcast, where we have conversations about up-leveling, deliberate practice, and getting future relevant. Hi, welcome, Alicia. Welcome to the CTQ Smartcast. Thanks, Harish. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So we're going to start with a you know slightly uh, a tricky one. Probably it's going to show that you know you've been through this for a long time. But we want to talk about you know the whole journey of design thinking as a practice slash space domain, whatever you want to call it, in India, and also sort of juxtapose it with you know how pencil design has been working over the last few years. So if you can talk us through that journey, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I mean, uh, when I started my career, uh, almost, uh, you know, more than a decade back, uh, I'd heard of the word design thinking. Uh, and, but even when I was working with design agencies, nobody was really familiar with design thinking at that point in time. Um, it was a buzzword in the design industry uh, in India at that point in time, but definitely not outside the uh, design industry. Uh, move from there, maybe a decade later is really when I, I've seen it um, pick up uh, where uh, it's not just design companies, but uh, companies across different industries, uh, tech firms, uh, manufacturing companies, all of them that have heard about it, but also heard about the value of it. Um, and uh, it's been quite wonderful to see that change um, and put that into practice as well over the last uh, decade and more of uh, design thinking uh, truly really being uh, in the industry and being practiced in the industry. Uh, but saying that, I, I, if I go back to, uh, you know, six to seven years back when Pensar started, um, in the tech industry uh, and in, like I mentioned, some of the other industries where our clients are, uh, it was still a buzzword. So it was something that we sort of, check box and said, you know, I'm going to do design thinking for my organization. Uh, so we would get a lot of requests to uh, do design thinking in a two-day session, in a three-day session, get people familiar with design thinking, have them uh, become design thinkers in two to three days. Um, and, you know, they felt that their team would be ready to solve problems just being exposed to it. From there, uh, we've again seen a sea change where people realize that, uh, you know, it, it's a transformation journey that the organization has to go through. And it isn't just about ex being exposed uh, or exposed to that uh, concept, but really uh, practicing it, uh, trying it on for size, and then also making it a little bit of their own because it's not something that you can just uh, start to adopt in, within an organization from day one. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I, I always keep saying, you know, future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed, right? So I'm sure you'll still get some companies who will come and ask you to do a, a two-day workshop on design thinking. Just get us started and from there we'll be able to do it. Uh, what is your response to companies like this, you know, when, when somebody comes and says, can you just get us started on design thinking? Yeah. yeah, so I think over time, Harish, I think what we've been able to build is uh, help them understand that, you know, there's a, there, there is a journey and a continuum where you start with awareness, uh, but it, understand what your goal is. Are you looking for them to be practitioners? Are you looking for them to be catalysts? Um, and depending on what your goal is, then we can then advise them and say that maybe you want to start with awareness, but definitely have a roadmap of how you want to get uh, to being uh, catalysts, to being active pra practitioners uh, within the organization. Um, and while some, most people do have an appetite for it, or they do realize that they need to come back to it. It can't just be a two-day session done once in a month, or once 
you know you're nearly forgotten right yeah yeah and i think uh, you know the other value that uh, uh, an external agency like yours brings to the table is the very fact that you would have the interdisciplinary you know team uh, which most companies may not uh, have uh, right um, so you know when when you actually go in and talk about these kind of uh, things what makes it you know easier for somebody like you to do it um, how do they respond um, just trying to get a sense of you know the the whole level of awareness and response to design thinking as a concept first before we go deeper into what what you're doing yeah so i think the pros and cons uh, you know when we go as an external interdisciplinary team into an organization uh, we bring a fresher perspective that's not biased by uh, you know the existing understanding or the existing customer experience uh, and while that's the pro it's also the con because it's uh, it's like you know i think we get it so often the most asked question is can you show me a case study that applies to my industry uh, you know and there's never going to be a case study that's going to match that exact company that exact industry in the way that they're looking for um and and people have, you know uh, they ask for can you give us a presentation after that today event but it's not a formula people are used to it being a structured formula you just give it to me okay this is what i'm supposed to do and you know magic's going to happen so uh, we have to sort of guide them through that understanding that you're not going to get it in the first go there are certain small practices that you can start to incorporate uh, from the get go but it's it's a it's a process it's a journey where you slowly uh, expand your ability to think that way to uh, approach problems that way to work with your teams that way right yeah i i remember when i was first exposed to design thinking i think back in 2007 or 8 uh, the the biggest sort of aha moment for me was the fact that uh, you know design thinking put a lot of importance on prototyping uh, you know something which is concrete and uh, then make incremental changes and that would be you know that was like the biggest thing for me that yeah i can actually see it it's not some you know vague idea in my mind or in someone else's mind having said that i've also seen this same thing work differently for some people who want this big bang solution uh, they're not big fans of this incremental change but we know that you know prototyping and making these you know small experiments and actually getting feedback is what makes these solutions sort of robust mm-hmm. um, how do you sort of again you know respond to things like these where people want this big bang you know uh, magic pills to start with yeah yeah i fortunately i think uh, what's happened here is uh, you know concepts like mvp and uh, have, have worked in the industry people understand iterating um, there has been talk of you know as design thinking only help with incremental uh, innovation versus you know those big bang innovations that right. you're talking about um, but actually how we de- we talk about it is that it's about that whole concept of failing fast if you are able to figure out what could go around right away and uh, so there's prototyping but there's also testing for customer behavior the whole experimentation the lean experimentation process if you are able to understand all of that and pivot uh, you know if you need to pivot right away you can still get to your big bang but at least you'll get to your big bang knowing and being more sure of, of what you built you know versus being completely surprised that you thought it worked and it was going to be this big bang innovation but uh, people didn't uh, warm up to it or adopt it the way you thought um, so it's actually not coming in the way it's actually helping that process of uh, you know that big bang process and multiple together uh, in a short period of time to get to your big bang faster than uh, you know waiting years to build it out and create this marvelous thing that nobody's adopting right yeah 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 so you know like uh, uh, something that you mentioned some time uh, ago about these principles of design thinking so if you were to you know talk about what are these principles you know the way you change your thinking in general uh, what would you recommend as you know the elements of design thinking that everyone probably cxos in companies should adopt um, in in you know generally the way they operate in the company and, and the way they lead not necessarily as a problem to be fixed using design thinking but what are these principles or elements that they can adopt yeah i think 
you know, it, honestly, it goes down to the root of and that culture of how you work together. Um, mm. Often what we've seen in large organizations is eventually, because when you scale, you know, the focus becomes more operational. Uh, you feel like you've got enough customer data, so you don't feel like you need to go back to understand the customer. But as your company is evolving, the customer is also changing and evolving over time. So in terms of the principles, if I really have to think about it, there's the one that I, it's so stupidly simple, but it's so amazing. Uh, you know, when you're collaborating with, uh, uh, even whether, when you're with teams or you're with, as a leader, uh, you know, with the rest of your team uh, discussing something, there is this concept of thinking independently together. Um, you know, uh, in uh, we talk about it is when you're in a group and there is a leader in that uh, room, there is this whole concept of hippo decisions being made. The highest paid person in the office, uh, whatever they say, runs, everybody's going to be more agreeable to that. Um, but there's a concept in design thinking that great ideas can come from anywhere. Um, and so when you think independently together, when, when you take the time where each individual is able to think on their own and have the ability to present what they uh, what they thought without, of course, dissent with, with that whole acceptance, um, you don't know what could come out of it. But if you're just going to have everybody talk at each other, that's not really collaboration. Uh, it's, only, it's actually more long-winded because you'll never arrive at anything or you're just going to go with the first idea that the boss uh, the boss um, says right yeah 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 and you know people often tend to call these discussions brainstorming and you know we have to generally go and sort of correct them that this is what brainstorming really means we get them to sort of you know go back write down their individual ideas and then come back and you know then use the you know we, we end up doing some improv exercises to get them to figure out the yes and uh, and then work uh, together. So yeah, I, I, I can fully uh, understand what you're talking about. Wanted to ask about specific, say, flows in companies, you know, things like, uh, and because we work a lot with companies where we are trying to help them build and scale their culture, uh, you know, how should, say, uh, you know, somebody working in uh, HR or people functions think about using design thinking in, say, improving the experience for a candidate or you know onboarding experience of of you know an employee who's just joined how can they use you know concepts like design thinking in improving uh, the experience there yeah uh, so i mean in the last seven years of pensa we've seen design thinking being used across a variety of problems and uh, i think looking at uh, looking at it internally is no different um, you know, who we call customers for, uh, in design thinking, it's basically the customer of the problem. Um, and so in the case uh, for, for HR, that customer is your internal uh, employees, uh, your new joins. Um, and the first place uh, to get started is to really understand uh, the customer, to be able to empathize with, uh, with the customer. So really, uh, you know, talking to some, uh, some of the employees who've been there for a while, uh, some employees who joined, uh, uh, you know, really recently, or potentially people who are going to join, to really understand their experiences, to understand what their challenges or pain points were, what what really made them happy, uh, and even possibly right after they joined, what was that, uh, you know, what did they struggle with? Because only when you understand all of that and you bring all of that together, uh, look at all of the uh, not just one person's information, but you've spoken to a variety of people and bring that together try making sense of it, connecting the dots uh, and looking at what are some of those unmet needs? Uh, what are some of those actionable insights? Uh, then you can come up with solutions uh, that will truly uh, benefit them. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I think from when you understand that employee experience, you'll also understand what matters to them. You know, what we call customer benefits, how they measure uh, success. Uh, so even when you do come up with a solution, it's not just looking at your uh, business or KPI metrics, uh, you know, internal metrics for the HR to look at, okay, this is going well. But you can also look at how they, uh, the employees measure success in, uh, with that experience and be able to evaluate that solution that you've created and keep iterating on that uh, as well. Um, especially given the pandemic, even uh, employee expectations and experiences have changed how new joinees look at uh, their employee experience 
is very different from pre-pandemic. So even in the last two years, it's changed so much that it's important for anybody to keep going back to their their customer and really understanding what uh, what matters to them, what are some of their challenges, uh, and iterate on that uh, what that experience the solution that they're right. trying to design. Yeah, yeah. In fact, extending this, uh, you know, to these larger companies over the last three, four months, you know, we've heard from and worked with companies which have been, you know, trying to debate this return to office uh, decision. Uh, should they make it hybrid? Should they make it, you know, one week in the month or one day in the week? And, you know, how do they do this? It's been a, a major conundrum for a lot of these larger companies. The smaller companies have sort of, you know, uh, been nimble enough to you know go ahead and say that yeah we will you know let let people decide it's also probably their demographics the demographics of the decision makers whereas in the larger companies what has happened is that the decision makers are the slightly senior folks who have probably always been used to working in office so you know they're not really uh, you know it, it, you know in tune with uh, working from home or remote working and all that and it's been a big uh, challenge. Uh, two sort of layers that I see there is even people who have sort of tried to get uh, inputs from employees. Uh, some people have seen it as uh, doing lip service. So they're going to ask us about all these things, but they're going to anyways do whatever they want to do. Uh, has been uh, you know an underlying sort of uh, belief that people have expressed in larger uh, companies. And in some cases, though decision makers wanted to you know actually factor in everything they just lack that empathy of uh, you know different personas like say uh, you know how would a 23 year old you know uh, engineering pass out from some remote uh, you know part of the country what would she be thinking about if if i'm going to force them to come to bangalore and you know join uh, work because i've never sort of lived that uh, experience so there are two things. One is there is this lack of trust that, uh, you know, yes, they're going to ask me all these things, but they're going to do, you know, whatever they want to do anyways. And the second part is this genuine lack of empathy. Uh, so, you know, what's your response to this? And especially for the second one, uh, for leaders who want to build that empathy, what is the way that, you know, they can actually do this? Because it's an unknown unknown. They don't even know this. So how do you actually, uh, you know, work towards it? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, going back to the first one, the lip service, it's also about uh, how genuine you are in terms of collecting, that, uh, having those conversations and collecting that information. If it's just like a quick survey that you're doing, of course, that's not going to uh, really get to the root of, uh, uh, you know, understanding them. And of course, it's going to seem a little bit not uh, authentic or genuine and just something that they're doing. Um, and from, from a perspective of building empathy, uh, I think, um, it's important for uh, leaders to make time to have some of those conversations. It, understandably, so they can't have all of those conversations um, and there can be a team, but at least to be part of some of those, uh, to see it for themselves and to uh, be able to hear it from, there's nothing like being able to hear it from the customer directly. And whenever I refer to the customer, um, I can go and tell a leader that, you know, this is what uh, your employees are saying. But when they, uh, you know, listen to it themselves and when they're part of that conversation themselves, um, it's different because uh, it's, it's, you can't but help with empathy. Uh, of course, you have to come leaving your biases aside, but, uh, you know, it's also that your customer sitting in front of you saying something um, uh, and you have to keep your mind open and you have to, you can't but help listen uh, to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think these are, you know, actionable tips for some of our listeners and viewers about, you know, how to develop this empathy. They have to take time, you know, like I, I think I, I read this as, uh, you know, in the recipe of some French cooking, uh, you know, recipe book, right? So they gave all the ingredients and this is the most important time, important ingredient is time. <laughs> you have to give it time. <laughs> Without time, nothing is going to happen. Absolutely. And it could be one conversation or two conversations. Yeah. It's just not like, you know, uh, I, I completely understand leaders are pressed for time. Uh, but even if they're able to spare an hour or two uh, or to have those one or two conversations and to truly make the time to understand uh, 
that individual that's more than enough to uh, help them build that empathy right yeah yeah so uh, let's let's move tracks and uh, let's talk about some of the projects that you have done and uh, I, i know you have this uh, six step culture journey uh, you know that that pensar has come up with for culture transformation so can you talk us through that and you know give us some concrete examples of how you have helped companies using design thinking so 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 uh, how we reached that six step uh, uh, you know the change, cultural transformation journey uh, was through some of the things that i was telling you up front that when we first started people were talking to us about you know two days uh, and introduce people to design thinking or make them design thinkers um and over time as we made some of those uh, mistakes or we tried to do things uh, a particular way you know there was a lot of learning uh, from some of those failures as well um and uh, so how the six step uh, journey then involved uh, evolved is to start with um, you know uh, building a case for for that transformation uh, for us it's customer centricity and innovation but we've also used it for safety uh, and other such cultural transformations um in the past for example uh, we worked with this really large uh, uh, global consulting firm and they were looking to get their high performers to uh, uh, you know to be introduced to design thinking and to you know really be able to uh, be more innovative uh, so the innovation head that their leader had reached out to us saying this is what i'm looking to do and this is, this is what I, this is my objective and goal and we went ahead and uh, started working with the high performers um halfway through uh, you know what we realized is uh, that that's not necessarily the goal that the rest of the leaders had um so um here we were trying to create a safe space to say that you know you fail fast uh, and you learn from it and you incorporate these processes and it's not going to right away you start to see small wins and early successes but it takes time you know nobody's putting the pressure on you to start delivering right away um and uh you know we had other leaders come in and say the reason you're doing this is because now you're going to have to show say an x percentage of improvement uh so our learning there was that we, our first step is not to just have our spark in our sponsor uh you know be in, be aligned in alignment with them but we really need to make sure that you know we're working with all of the leaders and all of the leaders are aligned in terms of the, uh, of that vision because at the end of the day the team that you're working with uh, they're going to have to hear from different leaders and if they're hearing uh, opposing uh, thoughts it's really going to confuse them and it's really not going to help that transformation uh, within the organization uh, and it's not going to be very successful so uh, even though we tried a few cycles of trying to work with them uh, that leadership alignment was something that was very very important for us um so our first step is about building a case uh with the leadership uh, showing them external uh, you know successes of applying this transformation uh, and also uh working with um hearing from their customers about the perspective of the uh, organization and hearing from internally what their perspective is so getting an outside in perspective and an inside out perspective of the organization so using that to build that case so it's not um uh we're using design thinking even there to uh, help build that case for them to hear about uh what their customers are saying for them to uh, hear what their employees think of their customers you know bringing that uh, up to them and really making them see that uh case for ch- transformation is real and it's needed um the, the second step is building um you know showing every, like building an internal uh, uh success uh, building internal success stories because we brought uh, external success stories to uh, to this but we've not really uh, how how do you build that confidence so to do that we've got the uh, we need to influence their mindsets um and so what we do is we take on a few projects where uh, you know there is a, a select team that's able to apply this new way of thinking and learning uh, to those projects in a given period of time uh, so uh, so we work with them to do that and we influence the leadership uh, mindsets by seeing those early successes uh, then we work 
with the leadership in in what we call leadership alignment to build uh, their own uh, version of what uh, or that framework of what uh, that transformation is for their organization. So aligning um, every all the leaders to get to get that working across different leadership uh, so that everybody is singing out of the same hymn book. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, these go through you know multiple cycles because you're trying to create a shared vision for the organization during this leadership alignment uh, phase. Once uh, you know the leadership is at a place where they they're all singing out of the same hymn book, there are certain internal uh, successes uh, and examples of uh, this change being applied and it having results. All of this happens fairly, uh, I would say in two to three months, it's not a really long period, even though I am saying it like that. Once that's ha- uh, happened is when you start to align the rest of the organization uh, to it. So it's, it's the whole organizational alignment. You look at how you can uh, communicate the shared vision. How can you create excitement uh, for the shared vision while building these catalysts of change because the leaders alone um, can't write that change. Uh, so we need to have a few catalysts who uh, tried this on for style had early successes. And once we once that start, starts to happen, uh, you reach a place where you need to now design the organization to be able to uh, carry this forward and to be able to scale it uh, across uh, the organization. And that is in itself a process. And the last is to sustain that momentum because there's all of that excitement and attention when the leaders are focused on it. But once it becomes, for it to become daily practice, but also for it to stay, uh, the way that people work, you need to be able to sustain that momentum and keep uh, also evolving that, increasing the number of catalysts, uh, training, trainer, all of that. Uh, so it, it's uh, if I had to just sort of quickly sum that up, it starts with building a case. Uh, then it, it's about influencing leadership mindsets. Then it's about um, leadership alignment, then organizational alignment then organizational design, and then sustaining the momentum. So it's start small, then grows bigger, and then, uh, you know, really becomes a way of life uh, within that organization. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's very uh, uh, interesting that uh, you sort of stumbled upon the importance of the leadership alignment and the organization alignment as being super critical for the success of, you know, what you would do in step five and six uh, right I think that's 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 the result of you you know applying design thinking uh, to your own problem statement I guess absolutely you know we call it eating our own dog instantly because there are so many times okay you you know you, you hear a leader and then they say you know everybody's behind it but uh, so one of the things that we make sure to do is really do all of those stakeholder interviews really understand everyone's perspective because it might all seem like they're behind it but they're thoughts and perspective about it may vary so uh, making sure that everyone's on the same page or all of their concerns have been addressed and together they've come up with something that accounts for everyone's way of thinking is really really important right yeah you have to bridge that think say do gap uh, among yes. leaders <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so uh, if you can give me some concrete examples of uh, you know where this has worked and you know any place that you can talk about where in spite of all these efforts things did not work because of you know something else uh, that that was out of your control or whatever can you give us some concrete examples yeah so prior to creating a six-step process it mm-hmm. is where things have been worked it's either been in terms of you know leadership alignment or very quickly just uh, not uh, you know expecting results so uh, that's one of the reasons why when we're influencing leadership mindsets, we're also building those internal successes and uh, getting people to try it on precise. Uh, and before it becomes a way of life, we feel like even for the catalyst, they need to try it out at least three times, uh, you know, uh, before they can truly be comfortable. You're not going to learn the entire process of design thinking, applying it on one project. Um, after which, when we've used it, we've used it for a large global security firm uh, where they were looking to, uh, uh, you know, they were very successful. Um, but, you know, there was foresight from the leadership that, you know, uh, you want to make sure that while everything is going well, we're thinking of the future and we certainly need to be more customer centric. And uh, 
So they brought us in to help the organization be more customer centric. And we work across, uh, uh, you know, when we went into building a case, we looked at speaking with teams across the globe, uh, trying to understand their perspectives, understand uh, how they perceive the customer. And we also try uh, did the whole understanding of the customer across the globe in terms of what they how they see the product and how they perceived safety and security as well. Um, and then we worked with the catalyst. Uh, and you know, when when people uh, had we just done a boot camp, thought everyone design thinking gone away, uh, everyone would have believed that they uh, that they learned it and they could apply it. Uh, but when they had to start applying it on uh, projects, key projects that mattered to the organization, um, I mean, we had to coach uh, them uh, on you know certain challenges that came up because these are years and years of thinking of a particular way. Uh, uh, that's when they started to see that change. You know, we've had wonderful stories of an engineer be going out and speaking to customers, um, and he built some product, and then when he went out to the customer, he saw the pain that the customer was having with a product that he built, uh, he said, I can never go back to the way I uh, work because now I've really seen, I thought this was a product that was working efficiently, but when I see the customer pain and challenge, there is no way that I can go back uh, to just sitting in my office and uh, working on something. Uh, the other aspect was in the way that the leaders also coached and um, spoke to their teams. Uh, so it was a matter of also, uh, you know, having leaders that worked with them uh, being coached in the kind of questions they asked. Uh, if a lot of focus was always given to, you know, what is your final idea? Uh, you're always going to come up with the first idea, make sure that it, it's, uh, you know, you try to make that succeed. So, you know, with simple things like coaching the leaders to ask them, how many different things did you try before you came up uh, with this solution? And uh, that sets the expectation that you know uh, there is no one idea there are multiple ideas that you're going to have to try you're going to look at multiple things before you narrow down to the one that works for the customer best uh, so there were things small things that the client uh, the leader had to do in the way that he or she uh, engaged with their teams um, to uh, to get them to think differently or to get them to try different things before finalizing on one and helping the team see their biases so when we worked with uh, this global security firm, we worked across, uh, you know, coaching the leadership as well as these catalyst teams working on the projects. And, um, you know, it was over that period of time, it, was, it became so evident for all of them uh, that the way that they were looking at uh, their products, while it worked well today, uh, you know, it was important for them to change the way that they were working to truly create that benefit uh, for the customer. Um, and yeah, and, and then it sort of scaled from there uh, to look at other things as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you were, you know, mentioning about this engineer who sort of, you know, said that I'm not going to go back to that way of working ever again. Uh, what kind of mindset changes have you seen among people, uh, which they sort of apply in other areas of life or work, uh, you know, professionally? The way they uh, think, how you know, how has yeah. that change what have you seen yeah yeah you know you know something as simple as research uh, uh, and the power of asking open-ended questions uh, and just being open to listening uh, has been pretty big for a lot of people so we've heard people talk about how, how they've not just applied it to work but they've also applied it to their personal lives at the end of the day when they go back home and they're chatting with their family they, you know they're asking questions they're being genuinely inter interested in understanding them you know just something as simple as we all of us go back home and we speak to somebody in the family and be like how was your day but we most most often than not most of us are being very inauthentic because it's something you ask uh so whether it was in terms of connecting with the customer asking those open-ended questions that was something that uh, people really took to and had that change in mindset the other one uh, like i mentioned was that we'll think independently together people right from school everyone's used to, like you said brainstorming um, being a particular way, you know, everybody ch ch uh, check boxes that and says, yes, we, of course, we brainstormed uh, for this project at school or uh, this project at work. Uh, but trying this new approach of giving everyone some time to think about it independently and then collaborating um, 
has been very very uh, uh, you know impactful for them and it's actually one of the things harish that we say that you know you start with small things you don't try and you know if you're trying to bring uh, design thinking into your team or into your organization you can't uh, unless you're like truly transforming the organization ground up uh, you start by introducing small things even if you don't have everybody else uh, on in your corner uh, trying to uh, make be part of that transformation you can showcase value so you will go out and have a customer conversation bring that customer conversation into, into a conversation um you know see the impact of it the next time you said sitting with a bunch of colleagues to think about something try think independently together once people see small evidence evidence of change you see the benefit of doing something then you can bring something else in but everybody else who's not been exposed to that way of thinking will not right away uh, jump to that uh, that way of thinking as well right yeah i think sometimes even just having that shared knowledge and terminology uh, language uh, itself makes such a big difference in, in the way you think because uh, you know now you know that yeah, when i say immersion what does that really mean or when i say yeah. brainstorming what does that really mean i think yeah absolutely and i think that's that's why in one of our steps in the six step process is that whole uh, leadership alignment where you create a shared vision you get create a shared language that you right. can then translate down to the rest of the year because it's very very important otherwise much like you and i discussed somebody somebody else's idea of brainstorming versus our idea of brainstorming is so different um that's why one of the things we do is and people get really shocked we're like we don't actually encourage brainstorming and people are like isn't that what design thinking is about and we're like wait a second we're talking about the traditional way of brainstorming but it's there's a different way of doing it which is a lot more impactful Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's like the sweet spot for companies to, you know, come and start working with you? What do you look for in a company or a, you know, or a problem context uh, when somebody comes to you? Oh, I actually don't have a very concrete answer for you uh, for that because it varies so much uh, for us. Um, you know, we have uh, we love uh, clients that are uh, you know. really roll up their sleeves get their hands dirty and work with us on a problem um you know because we encourage co-creation they bring to the table their deep expertise in the industry that no matter how much we uh, do research and secondary research we're never going to uh, account for their level of expertise um but given that we also understand that there are organizations that uh, are hard pressed for time are you know have so much else that's going on um and we work with clients where a few of them can work with us but you know most uh, we do most of the heavy lifting as well in terms of the uh, customer interactions so there we then encourage uh, the co-creation we bring the research and understanding to work with them uh, to co-create so that's why there's no real sweet spot uh, in that sense i think the sweet spot is, or the mindset would be being open uh, to uh, really uh, to not knowing what you're going to hear from the customer being open to whatever you hear from the customer as well and being open to you know uh to being iterative uh to being uh, exp- uh you know doing those experiments and to learning from uh, the customer i think as long as they are open to trying something out and trying uh, willing to listen to what the customer says uh everything else uh you know will uh, go along And just to give you an example, we um, there's a project project that we work with this large e-commerce firm, um, and we were uh, trying to understand some problems in terms of uh, the seller platform. So the, because it's a marketplace, there are sellers who you know put products up, uh, and the sellers were not understanding the payment section of the product. And when we did that research, uh, you know, section of the team had this whole mindset of. we know our customers we've been doing this for really long uh, what can you tell us about our customers that we don't already know um and when we encourage them to be part of the conversation uh, uh you know we got a few customers to uh, their office so we done some of the research on our own but when we were doing the creek cooperation with them we actually got some of the customers to the office um and uh when they heard it from the customers mouth how some uh, you know uh, 
how they perceive the organization or some of the challenges that they were having there's, there's nothing that can wake you up uh, like that so um so just being even if they're not open we'll find a way but being open to a process is definitely important uh, even if they're not open to thinking that there's possibly a different way that the customer thinks right yeah yeah and uh, you know just extending this uh, to organizational culture right about how uh, say in if for us for a fast growing company um, ceos founders sort of have this vision that yeah i want to have a company which you know practices these values they have the end state in mind uh, uh, you know so how do you use elements of design thinking to sort of shape the culture to conform to the kind of values that you know uh, these people start with because that's the vision that uh, they want to take uh, the company uh, towards from an organi- organization culture standpoint yeah um i think it's, it's a combination of some of the things i mentioned earlier as well you know it's the kind of questions the leaders ask um it's kind of encouraging it's things where you encourage a multidisciplinary team to work together so i is the product managers or the designers working in silos or is you know when they're discussing or, or ideating on something is the engineer or the product manager or the data person the marketing member team member the designer are they all working together uh, you know quickly thinking uh, ideating on things uh, together um what are some of the metrics I, that you're using is it just business focused metrics are you looking at what uh, customer success metrics are uh you know what are some of the things that uh you've heard from customers having a sense of uh, there there are organizations where i've seen where they put up uh huge quotes from customers and their walls have like these real customers and what they said around so you're constantly around every you can't possibly step out of office every day but at least you're around that customer conversation um and uh and things like not doing traditional brainstorming but uh, you know encouraging everybody to uh, work together not uh, being judgmental about ideas but looking at how you can uh, build uh, uh, an idea you know encourage other people's ideas looking in multiple different ways uh, to do that building prototypes uh, getting customer feedback at every stage uh, of when you're building that product or even scaling that product um, so the multiple little things that uh, organizations can do i understand the pace at which they want to move the more they apply some of these little things as much as it may seem like it's going to uh, lengthen the process uh, it's only going to um, actually hasten the process so uh, you know we read your medium post about the role of empathy and you know teaching uh, so what did you know ask uh, what would you recommend to uh, you know founders in terms of the role of empathy and teaching in an organization uh, for them to better deal with you know their customers as well as their uh, you know employees what what is the role of empathy we've spoken a bit about empathy but what is the role of teaching uh, you know yeah i think for any organization that's going you're constantly learning right uh, you're learning from your customers you're learning about new technologies you're learning about uh, new competitors you you're constantly learning and, and i mean i'm not going to generalize it but a lot of the founders i know as individuals have uh, had that learning mindset they're constantly uh, reading all of these different books uh, speaking with mentors trying to adopt these new ways and uh, it's important that the organization also has that culture um and uh, i think we all learn from each other each person brings different kinds of experiences uh, you know and just to give you an example of how we do it at pensar is uh, we create like a day where we learn from each other there are each somebody or the other comes from a slightly varied background where they're able to bring that uh, experience in in a large organization there are people coming from different uh, functions and it's important uh, to learn how something works i don't have to become a data analyst if i know how that works i can do possibly do my work better as a product manager or as a designer um so learning is possibly the only constant uh, in any organization and um to be able to 
teach, uh, you need to be able to build empathy of who the learner is and what the learner is. Um, I can't uh, expect to go and teach. For, I'm using the, the, a really bad example of data analyzing uh, for designers, but I can't expect to teach data analyzing uh, to designers, expecting them to all come with an engineering background. So I really need to understand, uh, you know, how they think in the way that they, they consume information. Um, if, if they're more visual, I can't just speak at them, but I may need to possibly create these little models that'll help them understand something. Uh, so being empathetic uh, is really important. And it's not just a, important upfront when you're trying to prepare for how you're going to teach someone, but it's also important when you're teaching them. Um, and we're constantly, uh, you know, I think put in a situation, especially a pencil, because when we're teaching design thinking to people, we know it uh, like the back of our hand. We live and breathe uh, design thinking. We constantly uh, face this where you have to build empathy. It may seem like a simple concept, but somebody else is not understanding it. And you have to understand uh, their perspective. You know, why are they possibly not uh, seeing it that way? Can I give them an example that, uh, that, that will illustrate it better, which is uh, closer to what uh, they need? So going back to how a lot of people say, can you give me an example of my industry, my function? Um, maybe uh, we can't give them an exact example of that, but if we're able to understand where they have a challenge, uh, you know, with the kind of problem that we're, uh, the kind of case study that we're showing them, why they're not able to connect it. Uh, it could be that, for example, I'm showing them a marketing uh, case study or an example of how design thinking is used, uh, but they will see what happens if it's a B2B uh, company, how would that be? So it's about building a little bit of that empathy to understand where, uh, what is becoming a hindrance or barrier for them and trying to find ways that we can, uh, Teach, uh, teach them uh, that. And for so for a, for a leader who's learning so much and wants to be able to change uh, an organization, his or, his or her organization, bring new ways of thinking, you're constantly, in a sense, teaching. When you're mentoring your teams, you're teaching. When you're coaching your teams, you're teaching. So uh, building that empathy for that other person. Uh, so you're bringing some of your experiences uh, for those, uh, for the learner is also going to definitely help them. And also understanding their perspective because uh, uh, the way I learn it would be different because my life experiences allow me to see it differently than somebody else. Right, yeah. The that curse of sense. knowledge, the curse of knowledge is what we all want to avoid, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So any any rituals that you've seen working well in your company or elsewhere uh, which sort of help in building a, a learning culture like these learning sessions that you talked about? Anything else that you've seen working well? Um, I uh, So one is, of course, uh, and these learning sessions don't have to be just internal, getting external uh, mm. points of view and perspectives is really important uh, as well. I've also seen... Um, uh, you know, um, people trying something on uh, with that safe space to fail uh, where teams have been allowed to bring some new process or methodology and try that on uh, for size uh, and uh, have, uh, of course, uh, you know, have the ability to reach out to experts, but that space, safe space to try, try it out and learn. Um, you know, there have been book exchanges, but then that's very like individual um, and I think the, what's wonderful is I've also seen some, some organizations do the whole learn by doing. I guess there's nothing like learn by doing where you're working together, uh, learning something together. It could be even uh, yoga or some, uh, in, in an organization, but everybody's trying to do something together and learn together and learning a different way of thinking, uh, building uh, their knowledge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've come to almost the end of the conversation now, uh, Malisha. So you know, one question that I wanted to pose to you is: What are the books, you know, podcasts, courses, people that you follow, uh, who have shaped and influenced your thinking, and you know, things that you would recommend to our listeners as well? Yeah. Uh, I think uh, for me, uh, creative confidence. Uh, 
for, for and uh, it's quite wonderful because it sort of uh, opens that think way of thinking to not just designers um you know for this is for the longest time people have looked at uh, designers being aesthetic um the good thing about design thinking is that it allowed people to see that it was it's not about aesthetics it's about how you address the problem how you try and uh, understand it from the customer's point of view so creative confidence was really uh, uh really really wonderful in that way uh, there's also infinite games by simon sinek which again sort of changes that perspective of how you look at um, you know success and how you measure success as an organization that you really you're here for the long game it's not about this competitor versus uh, versus uh, us um i listen to a lot of different ted talks uh, so there's brown that uh, that's all very interesting because it goes back to you know the work that i do as well you have to be vulnerable and you to be empathetic as well um and uh, one of my favorite podcasts i am a true crime podcast uh, oh, yeah. lover but that has no <laughs> that has no context relevance to this uh, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, invisibilia because it really looks at a uh, human um, change and human mindset and sort of really you know ram what what is the word for it it sort of really digs very deep into uh, certain ways of thinking uh, certain ways of how people behave for uh, and uh, it really really just sort of opens my brain every time i listen to it each time they take a different topic and uh, they do that so i'm always me as a person i'm constantly looking at getting exposed to uh, really different things um uh, i'm not somebody who listen uh, re, uh, only reads like these non fiction business uh, kind of books but i'm always like looking at different kinds of uh, articles or, or you know videos or podcasts that sort of really uh, expand my way of thinking and looking at different different kinds of connections so invisibilia definitely does that uh, you know that's one of the reasons i also like simon sinek in the way that he constantly changes the way that uh, one thinks and looks at different problems uh, the golden circle uh, as well is such a interesting concept um so yeah i think and i then for me hbr forbes fast company uh, mm. then i go to for any other interesting articles right and and any people to follow on social media linkedin twitter uh um, you know um would be the same people uh that are behind all of these uh, content that's right. created uh science and at brand brand if i can think of a few i'll share them with you but these were some that came to mind sure yeah yeah in fact you know an interesting thing was i uh, actually uh, found out about the show ted lasso on brene brown's uh, podcast and she's like a big fan of ted lasso and that's how i started watching that show on uh, apple tv and i became a big fan of it because it's like this yeah. american who goes to england to coach a football team there and you know is is uh, only you know being used to the american football so it's a very nice interesting one which i credit brene brown for introducing to me <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's it's the it's the simplest things that people tell you and i think for me those are big, the biggest eye openers right things that are right in front of you uh that seems so obvious but when somebody breaks that down and tells you like gosh that is so insightful but you feel like you should have already known that that's that's just uh, you know how it is because even in terms of cultural transformation uh, like when you look at you know a good culture it's about not working in silos but you know sort of collaborating it's not it's about not looking for perfection uh, but constantly iterating iterating and working fast towards Uh, what you need uh, it's letting failure not be a barrier but being open to uh, open to failure when you look at all of that from a cultural perspective it sounds so obvious and so uh, normal but it because we all get stuck in that rut or, or you know we our focus becomes something operational or a deadline we tend to forget uh, these tenets of the culture which if not uh, you know worked on or if not uh, uh, you know transformed then uh, you know can sort of come uh, hinder the success of the progress of, of an organization right and that's why some of these um, authors and speakers uh, uh, just blew my mind because 
Brenny Brand just talk, talk, spoke about vulnerability, yeah. uh, which again is a very basic concept. But the, when she broke that down for most people, it was, it was I think, very uh, insightful for a lot of people. Yeah. The reason why she even became uh, famous. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we've come to the end of this conversation, but we won't let you go without asking for your hot takes on you know certain you know, terms, topics, things. Basically, we'll be asking you uh, about what do you think is the future relevance of you know whatever I'm going to tell you. So it's, it's going to be a hot take uh, of yours, right? Uh, so what do you think is the future relevance of non-fiction books? I think people are. Uh, constantly uh, going to need new ways of thinking and uh, um, I actually see uh, the whole section of non-fiction books really growing and it's moving out of the whole earlier concept of seeing them as self-help books Mm -hmm. but just different ways of thinking different uh, um, philosophies or different um, frameworks to to look at something Uh, you know when Sprint came out even though as design thinkers we're very familiar with it, but it blew people's mind because like, oh, we can get things done in five days. We can follow that entire process. So I think it just allows people to think about things differently. And it's only going to grow. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Okay. Uh, What do you think is the future relevance of NFTs? To be really honest, I still have to wrap my head around it. I know it's, uh, I, I can't fathom why a random little cartoon gets billions and millions of dollars, but uh, I guess it's here to say, I, I guess it, I, in a way uh, uh, we're allowing not just a few to have that ability to create art or control art but uh, or anything like art, because NFT started with a little bit of art as well, mm-hmm. uh, but it sort of allows, I don't know if it democratizes it, but it allows to partake in it so I still have to understand it it's beyond me uh, but uh, I guess it's enough to say okay and the final one what do you think is the future relevance of saris oh I um, I really hope uh, it's uh, here uh, and it's going to stand the test of time because um, I have a soft plan of saris uh, my mom and I uh, tried to revive the whole Kerala sari, look at it differently. So it's a beautiful garment. And it, I mean, something that I think as Indians, uh, not to be just patriotic, but it's, uh, to the fact that it's such an, it's just a piece of cloth, but it's an amazing garment. And um, it allows us to celebrate the rich uh, craft and uh, culture that we have, the craft history that we have uh, in the country. And I don't think we should lose that. Um, there are so many different kinds of styles. So I'm, I hope it's here to stay. I, I really hope so, but even I wear it so, uh, I don't wear it as frequently as I'd like to, so I hope it stays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think there's, there's uh, more wishful thinking there as well as, you know, <laughs> what, what you think is, is really going to happen. So on that note, uh, Alisha, I think, uh, you know, we covered a whole range of topics uh, today from how design thinking has evolved over the years in India as a practice, as a function, uh, how can companies uh, use design thinking, what are principles of design thinking that individuals can sort of you know, implement practice uh, in their lives, changes in mindset. So I think we've, we've covered a whole range of uh, topics and you know, this, was, this was a great conversation. I'm sure you know, all our listeners will really uh, enjoy this. And- I hope so. I really hope so. Then uh, there's just so much that can be spoken uh, uh, design thinking, and um, I'm sure I didn't do it j- enough justice. Uh, but it, it goes beyond that term. Sometimes that term itself is uh, counterintuitive because people think, "Oh, it's got design up front, so it must be only something that designers can do." But um, there's a lot of value in that, that way of thinking. Yeah, yeah, and and we've got your uh, you know dog's uh, <laughs> voice also on, on this podcast. Finally, you you were worried that you you know sort of steal your thunder at the start of the conversation. Didn't? <laughs> yeah, he we definitely wanted to be heard and be part of it. Yes. <laughs> on that note, thanks a lot, Anisha. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anisha. If you like this, we know you care about your and your team's future relevance. 
you can find us and you now click on the subscribe button on youtube spotify google and apple podcasts you can also find us on twitter linkedin facebook and instagram there are two ways to enter the insider group of friends of ctq a telegram channel where you'll get daily tidbits that help you think about future relevance and our weekly email newsletter called the up leveler We've got some fabulous testimonials from our subscribers we share special discount codes for ctq compounds and exclusive invitations to our events on both these channels just go to choose to think.com that is think with a q and you'll find all the links to subscribe you owe it to yourself